Uh, my name is Simon, uh, Simon Ward. I work with Compassion. A little bit of my potted history. Prior to that, I was a pastor at Arana Hills Church of Christ. Some of you have probably heard the name Brett Goddle. He was a youth pastor here. He then became senior pastor at Arana Hills, and then I followed him there. So there's a bit of a kind of link point across there. Um, from the UK, if you haven't picked that up from my accent already, um, worked for Script Union for um, about 10 years in a kind of school and church chaplaincy role. They don't have that role here, so it's a bit, bit different. So um, love kids, do a lot of youth ministry as well, love young adult ministry, even though my hair's falling out now, I don't feel old. <laughs> um, and I just love working across generations because I think we all have something to give and something to receive from one another and somehow we're better together. And um, my younger son got married yesterday and the, the wedding was great. It was great. It was awesome. I'm slightly bleary-eyed, but I'm, I'm here and I'm fully present, I promise you. But I had a ball with my grandkids and just watching other people watch them as they, they were dancing around and, 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 and I just watching the impact two two-year-olds were having on the young adults mainly that were there. It was just amazing just to sit back and watch that and the power of what we can do together and how we can glean and learn. And whether that's from people around us or people from God's Word who are obviously very old now because, you know, um, but they were different ages and different stages. And if we can glean from each other, I think someone said, you can see further if you stand on the shoulders of those who've gone before you. I, li I like that. I love analogies. I like visual things. I work that way. And so somehow tonight, let's see if we can go further and see further by, um, by being together. So prior to those roles, I was a car mechanic. So I just love anything with an engine. I'm a real petrol head. Um, electric cars, mm, not sure about those. But anyway, a um, bit old school. Um, but I'm a practical guy. And um, I, I love being around in people's lives. I love... I love where the rubber hits the road, literally, um, with the, a lot of the car stuff. So we're going we're gonna, to just talk a bit about compassion um, first, and then we can, we're going to jump into, into God's Word, part of a theme you've got going through James. And I love the passage that, that, that has been given to me tonight, because it's really that rubber hits the road stuff. So um, for the last five years, I've been working with compassion. Love my job. Love my role. I mean different church pretty much every week so um, here next week I'm in Townsville for three Sundays and then I'm Roma I'm just all over the show I love it different denominations just being among the people of God to share and see their responses and engage together so I love it but this role happened because when I was pastoring at Arana Hills we 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 did a bit of an audit on mission we thought mission is important, particularly overseas mission, but we wanted to engage in something that was, again, rubber hits the road, that people could get involved with, not just give money to. Does that make sense? And um, I arrived in Australia about a year before Steve Irwin died. And he had a phrase um, where they had these animal encounters. And my second eldest son, um, Steve Irwin was his kind of idol. I wish it had been Jesus, but anyway, it was Steve Irwin at that point. And... Um, and devastated when he died, but he ended up working in Australia Zoo for five years, which was kind of his dream. So um, he's a snake relocator, the English boy. Interesting, isn't it? There we, there we go. So um, Steve Owen had this phrase where they, they did these animal encounters, and he had this phrase, and he says, don't just look at it, get in with it. 
I can't do his accent and how he did it. But, you know, absolutely pumped and excited about um, don't just look at something. Get in the enclosure with the wombats or with the dingoes, probably not the crocs, but, you know, get in there with the animal and encounter them and engage with them. And that phrase had kind of stuck with me. And I said to this group at, at church, I want you to find a, a, a cause, a mission that we can get in with, that we're not just given money to. And they did some research for me, and they came back to me after about two or three months and said, compassion ticks all the boxes. And I said, who's compassion? Not knowing I'd end up doing this. But I, I just saw my local church take hold of mission, go and visit the kids they're sponsoring, and get messed up in a good way. And that was gold. I, I saw people from a local church come back and say, what they're doing, we could do something like that. And I remember saying, is that a royal we? You know, like, we as in you mean me do that. Or, or do you mean us do that? And they said, no, us. I said, well, I'll work with you on that. So the, the church started a kids club. Started with eight kids, now 35. But their whole aim was not just to reach the kids, but how do we engage with their families? How do we involve the adults? How do we get involved in their lives and support the whole family? That came because of a compassion trip. And as I saw those things, I just thought, this is not just about... Giving, giving to a mission out there somewhere, this is about a relationship that's a two-way street because we're hopefully influencing them and they're influencing us and helping us in our mission here. And for me as a pastor, that was gold. After, I think it was two to three years, I worked out that church about 150 people, or 120 at that time, they were giving $76,000 per year to missions sponsorship. So that was on top of all the other things we're already doing for mission. But this was individuals saying, I could do that. I could sponsor a child. And I'll put you a challenge tonight. Where are the coffee drinkers? Who likes coffee? There's a few of you. Some of you non plus. Do you realize if you, if you bought three coffees a week out at a coffee shop, that would sponsor a child? Three coffees a week. If you said, actually, I buy at least one coffee a day, or the equivalent, over seven days, that was sponsored three kids. Changed their lives. See, if, even if you're a student in Australia, you're among the 10% of the wealthiest people on the planet. We can't think everyone's like us. No. The majority of the world is not like us. We're the minority of the wealth that we have. It's not fair. Is it really? You know, that we've maybe, I've chosen to come and live here, but I was still born in, the, in, in a Western country with similar values, similar, similar materialistic um, availability. For a lot of the kids that are on the table on the stand at the back there, they didn't, they were, didn't choose to be born in Indonesia. They didn't choose to be born into a family that happened to be in poverty. But that's where it's a team thing, isn't it? So if we've got more than we need, well, why can't we help them? So they get opportunity, they get choice, and that's how the whole thing should work. So opportunity. And so I just love what I saw. Um, if you see, on the, the, our, our mission statement is, is on the screen behind me. Releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. We're all about kids. 5.7 million children under five die every year from preventable causes. It's not okay. That's just the basics of enough food, clean water, 
adequate shelter, basic medical care. That's just children under five. It's not okay. And yet we can go to the doctor, we can get all the stuff that we have available to us that many don't have. I love the fact that it's in Jesus' name. Best way we can help kids out of poverty is introduce them to Jesus. You can become their friend, never alone. He's sufficient. Wow, what a cause that is. If you can go on to the next slide, three, three core things, if I break that mission statement down, what we're about is um, we're Christ-centered. Just said it already, that, that we're about Jesus. First and foremost, we want kids to experience him. But like the passage we're going to look at in a moment, you can go and tell a person about Jesus. Oh, Jesus is great. He's this and he's that. But if they're sitting there with an empty stomach or critically ill and you're not helping them, then what does that mean? And I love the, I love the fact that you know, we, we, we focus on children on the, on the middle there, but that all that's done through the local church. So not only do the kids get to hear about the, Jesus through the local church, they actually get to meet him. Because every spider child gets a mentor, someone will come and visit them at home and say, how's your school, school work going? What's your my plan for tomorrow? They all, they all do that when they get to high school. They work out a plan of, this is, this is what I want to do when I finish school. My aim is to become a nurse or a mechanic, hopefully, oh, it's a great trade, um, you know, or, or a doctor or whatever else it is. And their mentor will, will help them to say, well, these are the grades you need to be getting. These are the subjects you need to be choosing if this is your goal. So someone who is alongside them and um, to help them along the way. I love that. So when you sponsor a child, you, you get the opportunity to, to knowing that they'll not only hear about Jesus, they will kind of meet him by people who reach out to them to make sure they get enough food, to make sure they get medical help where they need that, or just medical checks regularly to help them along the way. Another important aspect is what we call socio-emotional support. And if a, if a child has been born into poverty, and, and their parents were born into poverty, they have a poverty often mentality, which says, this, I'm going to be like this, this is the same. And I'm going to show you a video a little bit later on, which, which accentuates that. But for someone from a country like Australia saying, I believe in you, I believe you can do well at school, I believe you can become that mechanic or that nurse or whatever it is, that is very powerful. Someone who's outside their world, who's saying, you can do this. So the opportunity a sponsor has to invest into them and into their lives by writing them a letter. So tonight, there'll be opportunity after service to sponsor. Remember, you're in the 10% of the wealthiest people on the planet. There's also an opportunity to write a letter. So if you're already a sponsor, um, the general statistic when I go to churches who are already sponsoring is the, the kids write twice as many letters as the sponsors. That is pretty much wherever I go, and when I look at the stats, that's give or take a little bit, that's generally what happens. That's concerning. That the kids you're sponsoring, writing twice as many letters as the ones who are the sponsors, and the sponsors are meant to be the ones who are encouraging and blessing them. And so I'm going to say a little bit more about that in a second, but that's why we've got a table here. You can write um, old school, draw a picture if you want, there. You can write online if you prefer to do that, it's easy. Like you might think, oh, I'm not really much of a letter writer. Just think of, send a long text. Seriously. In fact, short letters often is much better than an epic once a year. 
Seriously, much, much better to do that kind of drip feed. So think of it in that way. Um, you can write on your phone. Um, Arthur's going to be somewhere down here, over here. And, and if you're not sure about how you can do that online, it's so easy. You can attach photos. They've got templates. Just really made it easy. Nearly all the letters I write, I write when I'm, I've either just visited a pastor or maybe I've met them at a coffee shop or something like that. And I nearly do all my letters when I'm sitting at a cafe table on my phone. If you're in a family, great time to write dinner time. You might not usually have your phone at the table. When you do letter writing, have your phone at the table. Take a photo of the food that you're, you're about to eat and show them what you're eating because their food is different. Yeah? It's ordinary stuff. You haven't got to think this vast out here things. Just ordinary life things is what they're interested in because their ordinary life looks so different to yours. So um, you might, if you sponsor for the first time tonight, you can, you can come and write a letter straight away when you sponsor. Sponsor tonight, write your first letter. We've got a Polaroid camera, take a photo, send it, we'll even mail it for you. How easy is that? So there's opportunities to do that. And why I'm stressing the letter thing it's, is this way. Broad brushstroke. Generally speaking, in the West, when we think about poverty, we think about material lack. It's where our mind goes. We think they haven't got enough money. They haven't got a big enough house. They haven't got adequate shelter. They, they, they can't buy their medicines. We think those practical things. It's just our DNA. It's our cultural value. It's where we generally go. For most people in poverty, they see poverty differently because there are different forms of poverty. Like you're doing a fundraiser for Eagle's Wings about education. Hugely important because what you're tackling is educational poverty. If a child doesn't have an education, they're not going to get much choice. They're not going to have much change to the trajectory of where their life was going, the same as their parents. They'll end up in the same kinds of trades or, or jobs that are pretty much low paid and they can't get out of the poverty cycle. But if they get a good education, they get choice. It's a form of education. But for a lot of people in poverty, they actually can't survive without others around them who will share what they have. If they've got a little bit more, then they help out their neighbour. So relational poverty is a really big deal. But it's our lack. In Australia, I'd say that our, one of our big problems is relational poverty. You can know a lot of people, you don't really know them. Not really deeply. So when you're saying, as a sponsor, I'm giving my money, I'm really helping them, and they, in Indonesia, whatever country they're in, they're, they're, their worst form of poverty is relational, and they don't get a letter, see what happens? And we're not communicating, we're kind of missing, because we think we're doing the most important thing, and they're thinking, but they don't know me shared this story this morning. I sat on the edge of a platform was a young lady called Lee May, 18-year-old, just about to graduate from, from um, school and the Compassion Program. And I simply said to her, tell me about your sponsor. And she just looked down. And I said, I'm, I'm sorry, have I offended you? She said, I, I don't know anything about my sponsor. I just know their name and they live in Australia. So to how come? And she said, I've never had a letter. Then she said these words, don't they love me? 18-year-old. 
And we kind of think letters aren't important. How would you have answered that question? I thought, I've fumbled to answer that question. Stumbled around trying to find some words to encourage her. And there's a, there's a story to that. I'll tell you another time. But if I can just say that, that we've got to kind of try and do a bit of a cultural shift in our thinking to think there's different forms of poverty and letters are important, can really build a child up and have a huge, huge impact in their lives. And I'm waiting for the church that will write more letters than the kids. Just maybe, just maybe, you could be the first. There's a challenge for you. You can start that tonight. But if you put it off and think, oh, I'll do that when I get home, you might not. So why not do it now? Why not do it tonight? Okay, I think I've said enough. Ah, I put it say but no, I did cost, sorry about coffees, and $11 a week sponsors a child, 48 bucks a month. How, do you, how can you not, you know? So, I, as we look at God's word, I, um, I just look at the overload of words and information that we are swamped with. I shared this this morning. At the time of Jesus, it took 1,500 years for the information available when Jesus walked the earth for that information to double, 1,500 years. And then that, that time span got less and less and less, and it became a bit of a rule that every 100 years, information would double. Next 100 years, information would double. Until 1946, when they worked out the information had doubled in 25 years. By 1982, they worked out that information had doubled in 13 months. 82. Today, they reckon 12 hours. Every 12 hours. Overload. So I'm going to give you one word tonight. I used to do three-point sermons, and I just do one word. Because I want you to go away with a word that will stick. That if someone says to you, hey, what to talk about at church, you can say that. Is that easy? Can you, can you cope with one word? I am going to make it a little tricky, but I thought you are a bright lot here. Because I've made the word up. Are you ready? So the word is Gowie. Can you say that? Gowie. Oh, come on, guys. After three. One, two, three. Gowie. Gowie. It's getting better. It's almost Welsh. You know, I come from the UK. Like, Gowie? There's this, this thing, some kind of accent in Wales. Boy, oh. And Gowie has that kind of ring to it. But what does it mean? If you can go on to the, that, uh, that next slide. Go to the next one. I'll come back to that in a bit. Get on with it. Get on with it. Life's short. Gowie. I want that word to stick. I want you to wake up thinking, Gowie. Oh, that's words in my mind again. Oh. I want to be annoying tonight. Gowie. I want that to get under your skin, in your thinking, in your dreams, in your actions. Because everything that the passage I've been given to talk about tonight is about from James 2. So let me read there. If you've if you, um, got your Bible or your phone, uh, I want to encourage you to find, find it and look there with me. Uh, I just need to put my windows on. Okay. James 2 verse 14. 
What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, and I want to add in there, think you have faith, because sometimes with this overload of information, it doesn't even make it out of our mouths, but the thoughts are there. So what good is it if you say or think you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? And the, the obvious answer he's asking for is no. Do you know in the Old Testament, the word faith, the English lesson here, is not a noun, it's a verb. And I wasn't that great at English at school. So, um, but I, rem I always remember that a verb was a doing word. I could do that because I was kind of an action guy, um, rubber hits the road kind of guy. So faith in the Old Testament is a doing word, it's a verb. So to say that you have faith and you're not doing something about it, they say, well, that isn't, that isn't faith, that isn't there because it's, it's, it's an action. Whereas in the New Testament and how we have it in our word, it becomes this noun, this thing that we talk about, about having faith and it's not necessarily an action. So verse 15, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? And do you know, that, that, that could be really well-meaning. Like we can be really genuine saying, I hope things get better for you. I really mean that. And you can show empathy in your language. You can do all those things. It's a bit like, um, I shared this at, at my son's wedding yesterday. I, I, have, I have not let a day go by after 36 years of being married, I think now, I've not let a day go by without telling my wife I love her. And you go, oh, isn't that cute, isn't that lovely? But you know, that, that word, or those words, I love you, mean nothing unless they're accompanied by action. You know, I can, I can, I can do the big eyes, and I can, I can put, you know, a darling, I love you. I can, I can put everything into that. But if, not, if that's not backed up with the rest of my life and that she sees that I love her, what does it count for? Empty words. Nothing. Zero. Nothing at all. So sometimes we think we, 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 think we kind of get away with that because we really meant, you know, I really want them to do well. I, I really want to help them. And I, I realize that I've got a lot and I really haven't got much. And I really hope and I'll, I'll, I'll be very spiritual. And I'll even pray that they find shelter tonight. But we do nothing about it. And this passage says, means nothing. Nothing. That's scary, isn't it? I think it's scary. You know, who have I walked past? When have I felt that? And I felt an empathy for someone. I've done nothing about it at all. And in this passage, it says that kind of faith is dead. And dead people generally aren't very useful. So in verse 17, it says, So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and worthless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Not just talk it out, walk it out, work it out, see it in action. 
And I think more and more this generation, the generation I grew up in, there was a lot more talk about God and apologetics. And that's all good and it's still relevant. But I, I have this hunch that this generation wants to see faith. I want to see it working. Because there's so many words, there's so much information around. I want to see something that's really at work. So do they see Jesus in you? Living faith, day by day. Or do they see the grumpy you? You know, the, the bit that we, we don't want people to know about. And Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. So we need to be the, the life givers in our workplaces, at our universities, colleges, schools, wherever we are. goes on to say that the demons have faith they believe in Jesus not saved what about our actions Gowie get on with it and then he goes on in verse 21 to talk about Abraham and and how he, he went to offer his only son as a sacrifice out of faith Man, that's scary, and I'm not going to go into that tonight of all the ramifications of that. But, but here's Abraham putting everything that he was about on the line. Everything. Faith in action. There's a story that I, I um, was privileged to hear about in, in Compassion. So we had a pastor come and to speak at one of our devotions, and he shared this story. He'd been part of a big, uh, very successful church in the UK, was coming over to Australia to plant a church, and en route, he visited a child that he sponsored in Africa. And he said he was exhausted, and he didn't really want to go. He was really honest. He said, I, I just wanted to kind of get here and get started. And so he goes to visit his, his sponsor child, and, and, and that all goes okay, and he gets on the plane, and he has to go from this particular part in Africa where he is to South Africa, and then to change flights. And he gets down on the plane, the plane's half empty, and he thinks, great, I can just read my book, and I can chill out, I can relax, and now I can, oh, this will be great. And then he, uh, he spots a lady gets on the plane just before the door's shut, and she starts walking down the aisle, and he just has this hunch, this gut feeling that she's going to come and sit next to him. She did. Not only in his row, but right next to him, so he's by the window, and she's there. And, and he said he just knew that she wanted to talk, and he wanted to read. But he said, being a good pastor, he put his book down. And they started to talk. And she was doing this incredible work with children, particularly orphans, in this same part of Africa where he'd just, he'd just been visiting. And he was intrigued, and they got talking pretty deeply. And then he said to her, so, um, so what, um, what mission agency or church do you work with? So interested. And she said, sorry, I don't understand. He said, oh, I'm just really curious, what, all the ministry you're doing, what, what church or mission agency is the, the backing, you know, and support? That? She said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I just do this because there's a huge need here. And, and I feel like what, what, I've got to offer something. I've got to do something for these kids and, and this situation. And she said, what's this about mission and church you keep talking about? Tell me about that. And then he says, well, I'm a pastor and this is how I operate and this is how a lot of mission works. And... And she said, well, so why do you do that? And, and he starts talking about the gospel. And this lady starts tearing up, just kind of impacted by the Holy Spirit. 
And by this point, they're starting their descent and coming into land. And he's thinking, I haven't got much time here. And she's got some more questions. And, and then he's got to go and rush off to get a connect, connecting flight. And she had to go and pick up a truck that she was going to drive, a truck of supplies, back to through two, I think it was two African nations. She was doing that on her own. And he was just staggered by what this lady was doing. And he, he had a friend in South Africa. He said, look, I've got a friend who lives here. Here's his number. Give him a call. He'll help you um, to find out some more. And then he went off to get his flight. And, and he sat down feeling quite good. This amazing conversation with this lady. And he said, the Holy Spirit spoke to him. And it was a question as he sat there. He said, felt like the Holy Spirit said, do you think I sat that lady next to you so you could tell her about me? And he said his answer came from his mind, like immediately, what went something along the lines of, well, I did think it went rather well. And he said, then he felt the Holy Spirit say this, no, I sat her next to you so you could find out how much she's doing for me when she doesn't even know me. And that phrase hit him like a brick between the eyes. Changed the shape of ministry and mission for his ministry and church. And it impacted me in a big time when I heard that phrase as well. And there's a whole theology we can go into there and it's, it's not saying deeds save you. This passage is saying Faith and deeds, they go together, they're, they're, they're linked, they are one and the same thing, they have to partner together. That's what's crucial, that's what's really, really important. To say you have faith and not have that acted out is just, that's dead, it's nothing. But when they go together, that's glorious. So how much more we have when we have faith with what we can do. So I want to jump to a video. This uh, video is called One Act. So it's a bit of Gowie. Get on with it, okay? One Act. It's an older compassion video. And um, I want to have a listen and have a watch. And then afterwards, I just want to do a bit of a wrap up and a summary. But there's two people I want you to listen out for. One, one is a, a, a young man called Rich Richmond. And another young lady, there's only one lady on there, her name is Michelle. And I've had the privilege of meeting both of them. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of update on their story afterwards, okay? But let's go to the screen and have a look. Thank you. It was lunchtime. We were sitting around a table and we were all holding hands. And my father was praying for the lunch that we were about to eat. But there was only one problem. <laughs> Our table was empty. My earliest recollections is finding myself at the age of five, roaming the streets, eating from dumpsters. We were not able to have food at all. We were forced to live with 17 of our other relatives in a very small shanty. No toilets. A lot of crime. No running water. Rape for children. If you want to be out of poverty, then you have to deal with drugs. Some of my friends were actually sold into prostitution. Kids dying for preventable causes. And as darkness engulfs the place, the devil takes over. 
One morning, I just woke up that, you know, my uncle is just touching me in some parts of my body that I just thought to myself that this can't be happening. One day, my father was murdered right next to my mother. And I knew that moment that my life had changed. I watched as my 10-month-old sister died in the laps of my mother out of starvation. My relatives would always tell me, Michelle, you are so ugly. You will become nothing but a thief and a drug addict when you grow up. And those were the words that I heard from people whom I expected to love and take care of me. Poverty had told me I am hopeless, I am nothing, and I believed that. But right in the middle of this desperation, it was then that compassion intervened. One Sunday morning, my Aunt Carol, she's the only Christian person that I know during that time, she woke me up and said that we have to go to this church and she registered me. What joy and dancing came to my home at the news that I'd finally got a sponsor. I received my first letter. We wrote back and forth. And he told me, you're my first friend outside my continent. She said words like, Richmond, I love you and that lightened me up. My sponsor told me, Michelle, you are beautiful. You are precious to us, and we love you. And the words touched the very depth of my heart and soul. 18 years later, here I am, a child rescued from hopelessness by a young person. My life was changed. My life was changed. My life was changed. By a teenager who sponsored me. One teenager changed my life. She was 15 years old. Her name is Ashley. Her name was Heather. I called her mom. My name is Michelle. My name is Tony. My name is Jimmy. My name is Richmond. And one act saved my life. And one act saved my life. Saved my life. Will you act? The choice is yours. Sponsor a child through compassion today. Release a child from poverty. From poverty. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Powerful, isn't it? Richmond, he... Uh, ended up doing a degree in accounting, sponsored by Heather, teenager. And he then did theology, and he now runs a pastor's network that reaches over 4,000 pastors. Michelle, beautiful lady. She runs a radio station with children and for children. And she works with many women who have been abused. Really hard for her, having come from abuse herself. Every time she meets another woman who's been abused, she has to revisit her past. She's then been through cancer. Remarkable lady. Remarkable. You know, and I know that, that you know four amazing stories. First child I sponsored left the program. Do you know, I often think Pumparam, his name was, from Thailand. I've sat in his home, talked with his mum. 
Buddhist family. But I often think back on him and I thought, I gave him a choice that he wouldn't have had had I not sponsored. And I don't know what will happen down the track in his life, but I am glad that I had the opportunity to reach out to him and to meet him and to sponsor him. Because we don't get to choose the outcome. And I often think of that. You know, there are some people that even though they're born in poverty, they end up being remarkable. They somehow get themselves out of this mess and they do something remarkable with their life that impacts others. Some people do that. I don't know about you, but I've never felt remarkable in my life. I'm not, you know, I just think I'm pretty ordinary. Car mechanic. Hated school. Couldn't wait to leave. Highest ever got in a maths exam was 15%. I didn't feel remarkable. Felt very ordinary. But then I discovered that actually if you're ordinary, to be extraordinary, it only takes a little extra. And I think we can all do that. You know, we can all do that little bit more. You see someone at work that's just struggling a bit. Anyone can go to that person and say, how are you going? Okay, can I buy any coffee? Hey, brought some chocolates. How's life? You just a bit tired today. I love working with you. Do you know what I mean? How much does that take? Just a little extra to make extraordinary. In other words, a bit of gowie. Get on with it. Try a few words. See what happens. You can change the trajectory of someone's day just by putting a few words into action, by helping someone out. By giving up three coffees a week, you can change a child's life. Why would you not? Some people are very spiritual. They come to the table and say, I'm, I'm thinking about sponsoring a child and I'm going to go away and pray about it. And I say, really? They go away and pray about it? Oh, very spiritual. Can you afford to sponsor? Have you got enough in the bank to sponsor? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, what do you think God's going to say? No, 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 don't sponsor. No, no, there's, there's other better ways to spend your money sponsoring. What a ridiculous question. If you can't afford to sponsor, don't go into debt over sponsoring. Please don't sponsor if you can't afford to do that. Please don't do that. Because we want people to be in a long-term relationship with these kids and go the long haul with them. But if you can, why would you not? You don't need to pray about it. Faith and works, they go together. If you see someone in need and you do nothing, it's dead. So I want to leave you with a challenge. Like you might think, I don't know, I'm just not sure. Well, what about Kevin? Loves running, swimming, volleyball, handball. Kind of like think he might like sport. I'm just getting a hunch there. And loves going to youth group. He's in um, year one of uni. So two, three years at the most to sponsor him. Who could do that? My, my, my guess is that his sponsor has pulled out or maybe passed away. I don't, I don't know. That's my, my, my hunch is. So could you help him finish well? Sponsors say, love you, Kevin. I want you to do well. He said, no, I'm in for the long haul. Some one-year-olds have been waiting three-quarters of a year for a sponsor. No, I'm, I'm going for the long haul. I want to not only 
sponsor that child, but I get to write to mum then, or their carer, and get some that way. So there's opportunity to sponsor tonight. Encourage you to do that. Encourage you to gowie. Just get on with it. But I don't want to limit it just to sponsorship. I want you to look at your life, look at this coming week, say, how can you put your faith into action? Rubber hits the road. What can it look like? How can it be a blessing to those around you, to your neighbours, those you work with, to your family? What does the hands and feet and voice of Jesus look like when you go home? And how you listen, how you engage with people. It's just empty words, empty actions, just do the same old. It'll take some effort and some time and it'll take some energy. But if you do that, just watch what happens. The difference that you can make. Why, why was Jesus so... Such, why were people drawn to him? I think he was the master of Gowie. Master of faith and action. How he reached out to people and touched them. He welcomed the kids. and It's just action all the time. So I'm going to pray to finish this bit and the, if the band would like to come up. But I want, as I've given you one word tonight, maybe you could go away with at least one thing. You're thinking, I think faith could look like this for me this week. If you don't go away with something or some way at least of that starting that process, you know, your body won't go where your mind hasn't been. So let your mind go there. Maybe speak it out to someone. That's the next step. But then walk it out. Make sure that you do it. Make sure that you gowie it. You get on with it and do it. So um, um, as the band come up, can we stand and let's pr- let me pray. Father, thank you that you... You didn't just say that you love us. You allowed your son to come and be among us, to be fully God and fully human. In a sense, to to reach out your arms as you embraced the cross and gave even your life out of love. Talk about faith in action. Thank you. Jesus, that you didn't talk about being well, but you touched people's lives and healed them. With people in turmoil, you didn't leave them in that place, but you delivered them. With people in, in anxious places, you brought peace, your shalom, your well-being. Thank you, Jesus, that you just didn't say words, but... We read of what you did. And Father, I want to ask for all of us, myself included, that you forgive us where we have a great thought about faith and action and maybe we speak about the things we want to see and want to do, but where we, we fail to follow through. We fail to gower, we fail to get on with it. And we're conscious, Father, that we really need your help. Thank you, Father, that you haven't left us on your own, but you've poured out your spirit. The paraclete, the one alongside, the friend, the helper, the counsellor, to empower us and to help us. And I want to ask, Holy Spirit, that, to, that as we go into this week, you would prompt us and nudge us that we start to spot things that maybe we might not normally have spotted. 
where there is someone that we need to reach out to, buy a meal for, call, send a text to, whatever it might be. I want to pray for the kids' faces that are on those cards at the back. They have no idea I'm talking about them today. But I want to pray, Father, that you'd line up, somehow line up the right sponsor with the right child, where there can be a real two-way relationship, grow and develop and flourish. There can be a blessing that runs down this two-way street. So, Father, we bring, bring all these words to you. Father, may the words that, that are really important for each individual, may they stick. May they become annoying until they produce fruit. And the words that are just not for particular individuals tonight, may they fall away. But simply pray, Father, again, what I prayed at the beginning. May we leave this place better for having been here. Together in your presence. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.